His grace is enough. But I wonder how many people, better yet, how many Christians truly believe that God's grace is actually enough. Is grace enough for you? What if God decides to to give you no more than you already have? What happens when the things that you've been praying for, things you've been wanting, you never receive? What if God says no to your requests? What if God says, I have given you my grace, and that is enough? What if God's only gift to you was his grace? Would you be content? Would you be content? You know, for many of us, before we were saved, all we wanted was God's grace. We cried out for God's grace, and then now that we're saved, somehow we're not satisfied. All we wanted was God to save us. Place your grace upon me, God. And then we received it, and somehow it's not enough. I believe that the Christian who truly knows and understands God's grace is a content Christian. Not going after, not desiring more of the things of the world, but desiring more of God and God's grace. That's a wise Christian, a wise Christian. I was reading uh, this past week about a conference about comparative religions, Uh, comparing religions, and and so-called religious experts got together and and was, was debating, uh, was any other religion unique to Christianity? And after a lot of debating and discussion, they all came into agreement that Christianity is unique because in it, salvation is by grace alone. Grace that we didn't have to beg for. Grace that we don't have to work our fingers to the bone for. Grace that we don't have to be envious of or or jealous of. Grace that we don't even have to prove ourselves worthy of. Because God's grace is free to all people. All people. Receiving God's grace is for the purpose of of turning our hearts 
towards heaven. For the purpose of, of renewing our minds, church, towards heaven. For the purpose of transforming our entire lives towards heaven. See, God's grace, church, it's not, it's not God's grace plus works to get us in heaven. It's grace plus nothing. Nothing. Because from heaven's point of view, grace, church, is enough. From heaven's point of view, grace is enough. Grace saves us. It saves us. Grace is the free gift of God's salvation. You can be saved for free. <laughs> you can go to heaven for free. You don't have to spend eternity in hell. Heaven doesn't cost you anything. Anything. But a yes. But a yes. See, you're not saved by joining the church. You're not saved by putting your tithes in the, in the bucket. You're not saved by being baptized, joining the choir, no. You're not saved by preaching sermons. You're only saved by the grace of God. The grace of God. Grace. It's not given, church, because of any kind of works. Grace says you can keep your works. <laughs> you can keep your works. Works don't save or help save. Jesus said none, none will come to him unless the Father draws them. It's God's drawing. It's God's drawing. It's the grace of God that removes the scales from our eyes and allows us to see the light of Jesus. It's God's grace. Salvation is done strictly on the basis of grace. There is no physical act. There is no act of kindness that will, that will, that will remove your sin. None. None. See, you don't have to prove anything to God. All you have to do is open your heart and receive his grace. That's it. That's it. Ephesians says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. <laughs> when you believed, no money, no money. No sacrifice. None. God saved you by his grace when you believe. But believing is so hard for many, right? So hard. It was once hard for ourselves, if we be honest, right? God saved you by his grace when you believe, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. 
Salvation is not a reward for the, for the good things we have done. So none of us, none of us can boast. None of us. Because there's no one holier than thou. There is no one holier than thou. Philippians says that it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. When you receive God's grace, you, don't, you just don't receive part of God. You receive the fullness of God, the fullness of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit who resides in you, who dwells in you, who abides in you, and who fills you with righteousness. The Father does his work in you. The Son does his work in you. The Holy Spirit does his work in you. One might say, what, what part do I have in my own salvation? None. None. You don't. You don't. God's grace means he does it all. He does it all, church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All you have to do is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might and be obedient to the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit tells you what to say, say it. When the Spirit tells you what to do, do it. When the Spirit tells you where to go, go, and you will become the person that God desires you to be. That is the process of sanctification given by his grace. When we do what the Spirit tells us, we will look more and more and more and more like Jesus. We will begin to speak the words that Jesus wants us to speak. We will begin to do the work, hallelujah, that Jesus once did and wants us to do. We will begin to show the world who Jesus is. All because of grace. It's all God's work in you. So none of us can boast. None of us can boast. God gives you the, the desire to do what pleases him, the Bible says. God gives you the desire to do what pleases him. So I know he's speaking. <laughs> I know he's speaking. First Peter, God and, and grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. 
Grace is more than just salvation. We see that grace is everything. Everything we need for life and godliness. Grace is God's life, power, and righteousness given to us through our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's through grace God works effective change in our hearts and in our lives, church. Grace gives us new life. We are forgiven, transforming our thinking, renewing our hearts and our minds, church. Through grace, we can live the kind of life that God wants his children to live and experience. Living a a grace-filled life is not hard when you allow grace to have its effects in your life, church. It's not hard. Titus 2.11, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are what? We are instructed instructed by grace to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom. We should live in this evil world with righteousness. We should live in this evil world devoted to God. The Bible didn't say if. It was clear we should live in this evil world with wisdom, with righteousness, and devoted to God. There's no maybes. There's no what if I have a bad day. What if my children don't feel good? What if somebody gets on my nerves? What if I have a breakup in a relationship? It doesn't give us a way out. We should live in this evil world that we see with wisdom, righteousness, and devoted to God. We are saved by grace alone. Grace was manifested through Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross. And through the resurrection of Jesus, God brings grace right to your doorstep. Right to your doorstep. It became a reality. Hallelujah. Grace became a visible person. His grace was revealed in the person of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Grace is a gift, undeserved, undeniable, unexpected. We are made right with God by his grace through our faith, church, in Jesus Christ. God's grace is available for every man, woman, boy, or girl. Your past does not matter. Your present does not matter. God brought his grace into the earth to change your future. To change your future. 
Grace teaches us not to live a life against God, but it teaches us to, to come to, to not live evil. Don't, don't uh, uh, give yourself in to the, to the evilness of this world. The world does not want us to live a righteous life because righteousness is against the world's standards, the opposite of evil. God said we ought to live a righteous life. Grace teaches us not to live against God nor do the evil things of this, of this world. Grace teaches us how, how to live with wisdom as righteous Christians, righteous Christians, not holier than thou, but righteous Christians devoted to God, devoted to God. His grace has a higher standard, a higher calling for our lives, church. We don't have to live in the poverty of our minds. We don't have to live uh, as, as we are the minority. The power of his grace wants to take us to another level in our lives, church. Grace has set you free from your failures. Set you free from your mistakes. It brings new life. Abundant life. The Lord Jesus personified grace in his coming to the earth. John said he was full of grace. Full of grace. Jesus was full of grace. Enough for the whole world. Enough grace to save the whole world. That's Jesus. God through Christ has revealed his grace in the earth and made it available for all people. No matter who you are or what you have done, that grace is waiting at your doorstep, waiting for you to open that door and receive it. God's grace allows you to change your future, church. Change your future with God's grace. No matter what has happened in your life, receiving God's grace can change your future. What is grace? Grace is unmerited favor. Undeserved favor. Undeserved favor. It is kindness God shows to people who are undeserving of it. There is no one in here, including myself, that deserves God's kindness or his grace. There is no one in here that, that did anything to be saved. The Bible tells us to to humble ourselves, excuse me, to humble ourselves, and we uh, should not think more of ourselves 
than we ought to. God's grace, church, has, has released us from selfishness. In, in, in 2 Corinthians, Paul said that he was given a thorn in the side to, to make sure that basically he don't become conceited in his works for the Lord. Paul said that he asked the Lord three times to remove it. He prayed to the Lord to remove it. And the Lord told him, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. There's power in grace, church. There's power in grace. See, I believe sometimes the Lord denies our, our requests for more so that so that his people who are called by his name may humble themselves and depend on his abundant grace. He told Paul, no, my grace is sufficient. Paul was struggling and he told Paul, no, I have given you my grace. My grace will see you through whatever you are going through. You will have the power of my grace to guide you, to lead you, to instruct you in all things. I have given you my help. God has given us his help. He has blessed us with his grace. He says it is sufficient, church. God's grace not only saves us, but it justifies us. Justifies us. Hallelujah. It justifies us. Romans 3.24 says, and all are justified. Justified. What? Freely, <laughs> freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. We are freely justified, freely justified. There is no condemnation in Christ. You are justified, freely justified by God's grace through Christ. No one can put you to shame. No one can put you to shame. See, we can't work to earn God's favor. We can't. But now we may be considered right by a holy God because of his grace and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. This grace is made only available because Jesus laid down his life for us. For us. That is why we must, we must make Jesus our Lord. 
We must make Jesus our Lord because he is our Savior. He has the right to Lord over our lives. He has the right to tell us what to do. He has the right to expect to see good works out of us. He saved us. He laid down his life for people who didn't deserve it. Who didn't deserve it. The fact that we are justified and, and God declares us righteous in Christ is all rooted in God's undeserved favor bestowed upon us as sinners as a free gift. <laughs> as a free gift. We were lost in our sin. Not knowing what to do. And God lays before us the free gift of grace. In the middle of our sin. In the middle of being against God. Not wanting nothing to do with God. God still places grace before us freely for us all to just receive. Receive and be saved. Receive and be called a child of God. It's all grace. It is all God's grace that sanctifies us also. God's grace sanctifies us, not only saves us, not only justifies us, but it sanctifies us. <laughs> it sanctifies us. Hallelujah. To know that you are saved, to know that you are justified, to know that you are sanctified. Hallelujah. All free. All those things equals, should equal a changed life. A changed life. Saved freely, justified freely, sanctified freely. That means he's washed you white as snow. White as snow. We are clean. There is no excuse. We was once blind, but now we see. And those of us that now see, we have to show others the way. We have to show others the way. See, God's grace seeks nothing less of us than a new creation in the likeness of Jesus Christ. Nothing less. Our Christian goal is to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. That's a prayer we must pray every single day. God, change me into the likeness of your son. Grow me, God, into the likeness of your son. Make me more like Jesus, less like myself.
through sanctification by the Holy Spirit in faith and in truth we are sanctified. Holiness in heart and holiness in life. Our right living depends, church, on God's grace. If there's anyone that wants to live a righteous life, a right life unto God, we must truly accept his grace within our hearts. If there's anyone struggling with life right now, or you know someone that's struggling with life right now, present God's grace to them. Present his grace to them. Because you are a living testimony of God's grace itself. Don't just keep it to yourself. Once you receive it and get it and be transformed, you pass it on. The Great Commission, you pass it on. Sanctification is the process of being set apart, church. Set aside for the purposes of God. That's what grace does. It's more than just salvation. It means being made perfect in love and removing the desire from sin within our hearts. That's what it does. That's what it does. God's grace sanctifies us. Not only sanctifies us, but it empowers us for service. Empowers us for service, church. For service. And I want us to look at... uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10. I want us to look at the life of of Apostle Paul. Uh, We know that Paul was not one of the original 12 disciples. Uh, Paul was what? An enemy of the Christian church uh, who became one of, if not the greatest apostle. The greatest. But I want us to see what Paul credits what Paul credits for his great transformation and his service for the Lord. How we will, he was able to do these things. Verse 9, Paul says, For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve, <laughs> do not even deserve, to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church. Let me start right there at verse 9. He persecuted the church. Blasphemy. Paul. Now, we all know the life of Paul the Pharisee, the enemy of the Christian church, to the point of capturing and, and persecuting believers. Paul basically hated Christians, and he treated them as so. And at the moment, Paul was out hunting believers. He was out hunting believers when he ran into the grace of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, on the road to Damascus. See, here Paul is not putting himself down, church. But he fully realizes his error and his sin from which he was saved. So much so that that Paul 
says, I don't even deserve to be an apostle. I don't deserve to be a minister of the gospel. Basically, because of his sin and his past life, the hatred that was in his heart. He's acknowledging his error and his sin. And in the eyes of eyes and mind of the flesh, we would disqualify Paul. But not God. But not God. That is the story of grace, church. The story of grace. The redemption. <laughs> redemption of a sin-filled past. The redemption from a sin-filled present. The redemption from a life of sin in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what grace offers. Verse 10, he says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Mm. And his grace to me was not without effect. He says, no, I work harder than all of them, yet not I, he says, but the grace of God that was with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's grace is with you. Hallelujah. It's with you. God wants us to be so full of grace that we say with Paul, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. When we are full of God's grace, we are filled with the presence of God. There is no room for evil. There is no room for, for sin. Paul felt unworthy to be called an apostle of Christ and turned out to be undoubtedly, through the grace of God, the most influential apostle of all. And he credits it to grace. See, but Paul was humble. Paul knew he had worked much, worked hard, and he accomplished much. But only because God poured out his kindness and God poured out his grace unto him. Paul humbled himself. He realized that God's grace, church, was enough. Listen to this quote. True humility is not convincing yourself that you are worthless, but recognizing God's work in you. True humility is not putting yourself down, but it's giving God credit, giving God the glory for your life. True humility says, it is not I. It is not I, but the work of God's grace through the Lord Jesus Christ within me. That's what true humility says. See, Paul, neither nor neither of the other apostles could take credit, church, for even 
uh, become in the, in the position of being an apostle. I stand before you weakly, humble, cannot take credit for being your pastor. There's not a pastor, a deacon, or a bishop, a church leader, anyone who professed Christianity that can take credit for who they now are in the Lord Jesus Christ. It was all God's grace bestowed upon us as sinners. As sinners. It is God in us. His undeserved favor was poured out upon us. See, Paul was saved and able, made able to serve. You were saved and made able to serve. That's what Paul was saying when he's saying he worked harder than the rest. That wasn't him boasting. Paul knew that his hard work was the result of God's grace within him. Paul says this again in verse 10. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. Let me ask you this, church, before I close. Is God's grace in you without effect? Without effect. Let us measure, let us measure the effects of grace in our lives through to the grace, to the effects of grace in Paul's life. Because it's the same grace. It is the very same grace. Grace saved Paul from continuing in his life of, of sin and error. Grace gave Paul all he needed for life and godliness. Grace justified Paul's transformation from sinner to saint as he displayed throughout the rest of his life after receiving that grace. And grace empowered Paul for the service of God. See, Paul went on to spread the gospel of grace to a hurting and dying world, operating only in that free gift of God's grace. Grace was not without effect in Paul's life, church. The thing that Paul, the things that Paul accomplished through grace, we too can accomplish through that same grace. Paul lived a grace-filled life. We too can live a grace-filled life. Paul exercised the gifts of grace that grace provided. We too can exercise those gifts that grace provides, church. First Peter says this, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace.
And in closing, this means that whatever gifts and abilities God has given you by his grace, we should use them for his glory. For his glory. God's grace and blessings, church, was not given to us simply to, to sit on our hands and, and come to church and, and, and feel good. No. His grace is faith in action. Faith in action. Everything we do outside of God's grace is worthless. It is worthless. Everything that is good that comes in us and through us is only by God's grace. What is the gospel? What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news. The good news that God shows kindness to those that don't deserve it. The good news. Grace empowers us to spread that gospel. It empowers us to spread the, the good news that God has forgiven you, which is the gospel of grace, church. See, grace-filled living is exercising the gifts that grace provides for the pleasure of God. The will to spread the gospel of grace to a hurting and dying world. Those outside these doors need us. They need to know what we know. They need to know who lives within our heart. They need to know the joy that we have. It's a hurting world out there, church. A hurting community out there. And we are part of that community. We are part of this community. Jesus told them to go into all the world and spread the gospel. And that's the same message that he has for us, his church. That's the reason why the church is in the earth. To spread the message of, of grace to people. It's really not about everything that you see, but it's getting the word out that Jesus forgives, that God loves you, that you can be saved and go to heaven, that you don't have to live this life of violence, this life of, of crime. God can change your heart. He can change your mind. He can change your life. It's the gospel of grace that we are held accountable to share. To share. Now, many of us, and I'm, I'm, I'm done, but as many of us sit in, in church every Sunday and, and we see the the missing bodies in, in the chairs. But we live in a dying world. Our children are dying right before us. See, we have to make an effort, an effort 
to be close to God. People are dying because we are not really sharing his grace. It's more than us. We can't just sit on our faith, church. We can't, we can't just tuck our hands and sit on our faith. We can't. We can't. God has a mission for us. He has a mission for us. And it's only done by his grace. His grace was worked through us and to them. Amen? Amen. Can we give God a round of applause for his grace? Also, we will be uh, having a prayer, um, prayer visual over at the school this evening at 5 o'clock.